Hi, and welcome to the Final Report podcast. Today, the team will be discussing the latest on our investigation into the murder of Karen Swift. I'm Heather Cohen. And I'm Tracy Ellis. And we'd like to welcome aboard Cassidy Brandon. Together, we're the Justice Warriors. But before we get started, I want to make sure that our listeners understand that our investigation is independent from that of law enforcement. Just because someone or someones is our so-called person of interest doesn't mean that they're considered a suspect in this case as far as it's concerned uh, for law enforcement. Since last October, when we started working this case, we followed, followed up on multiple leads. However, as you may know, there is only one that has held our attention from day one. The reason for this lies in the 30-plus hours of witness audio that we've obtained to date from dozens of witnesses who claim to have information pertaining to these individuals' involvement in the murder of Karen Swift and or the cover-up that seems to still loom over the case. With that said, I'd like to point out that our team, as most know, is not the source of this information and that much of it was already published to the internet long before our involvement in the case. What we have done that hadn't previously been done is collect an abundance of information corroborating that information that we received, and we shared that information with the FBI, the TBI, and the Dyer County District Attorney. Though we're hopeful that the information we've provided is being followed up on, we cannot confirm or deny that that is the case. However, the public needs to know what we know, and we will not stop until justice is served. A common theme throughout the course of our investigation is that many of our witnesses claim to have tried to give statements to law enforcement that support our theory only to be discredited somehow, some way. The individuals at the center of of these allegations have been the topic of several internet forums and small town gossip for eight years. It seems that everyone knows and everyone is talking. Recently, we did a Facebook Live update that generated over 5,000 views to date and produced two new leads that we consider to be pretty significant. Tonight, we're going to share the basis of those leads the best that we can without exposing our witnesses, and we're going to offer some quotes from key witnesses in our investigation. While these statements very much support our theory, we have to reiterate that the person A person, any person, is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So with that being said, um, Tracy, I think there were some things that you wanted to address today to get us rolling. Am I right? You are right. I want to get into the really hardcore meat of all this. But right before we do that, um, we have had someone that's a friend to the podcast, um, Bert Staggs with the Tennessee Valley News. It has been rumored, and someone misspoke when they said that he illegally attained Karen Swift's autopsy report. It was all done above board. He was sending out several requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, for autopsies for various cases, His mom suggested that blonde lady um, that was murdered, and he said Karen Swift, and there it went. He tried. He says, what's it going to hurt? I might as well try. He sent off 
the Freedom of Information Request Form as standard protocol, and it was sent, the autopsy was sent to him as well, and he also confirmed that this was proper. It was also confirmed. So he did not illegally obtain this autopsy. Right. And what really happened was that um, although they may have obtained an order uh, for that document to be sealed, the proper procedures were not conducted and it just wasn't sealed, um, at least at the state level. And so that was more an issue of just negligence somewhere, somehow. Somebody didn't do their job. Um, but, Clerical error, they right, like to call yeah, it. What a, whatever it was, somebody screwed up somewhere. And it wasn't Bert. But, no, it wasn't Bert. In fact, we have, um, our team has seen the emails back and forth from uh, Bert to the, um, the person who had released it to him where he, you know, asked them, um, was this sealed? And, uh, and they came back and said, no, it's not sealed. Um, and so, we, we did bring that, uh, up to the district attorney because he also believed, uh, the false that it was right. The, that it was somehow illegally. illegally obtained. Like he had some sort of connection somewhere and somebody slipped it to him under the table or something. That's not what happened. Um, it's not what happened. It was done properly, and uh, he went through the he went through the proper channels, and he did it right, and, and he got it. So. And he has the documentation to prove every bit of it. So yes, he does. That rumor is gone. It's over. Let's just go ahead and squash that one. That's okay? done. <laughs> and thank you, Mrs. Bert Stags, Mama. <laughs> thank you, Mrs. Stags. <laughs> it is all because of you. But HMC Investigations ended up uh, doing what we're doing today. If it wasn't for her suggestion to Bert to get the autopsy and then Bert sending it over to us, um, we probably would be losing sleep over some other case somewhere. We need to get a picture with her. Okay. Well, at the end of the day, because, you know, we're going to. We're going to keep going until we get something done. So right, when, right. when justice is finally served and, you know, definitely um, everybody needs to be giving her a big hug and a big thank you. Yeah. Um, can you go down and uh, go ahead and run down the, the facts, the, the summary of the basics of this case for anybody that's not familiar with it? Okay. We have a couple that was on the verge of divorce. They lived in the same family home. They had four children, Karen Swift and David Swift. Karen Swift went to a Halloween party, not with her husband. And the Halloween party occurred at a country club called The Farms. Karen was there. She did go home. Around 3 a.m. was the last time she was seen in her home. And it was not until that was on um, October 30th. The Halloween party was the 29th. The next morning, 3 a.m. was the 30th. Was the last time she was seen by her family members. And 
her body was found December 11th near a cross close to the entrance of Bledsoe Cemetery in Dyer County, Tennessee, December 11th. So it was quite a ways after in an area that had previously been searched. And they at first, of course, suspected the husband. And the law enforcement still pretty much is headed that way. However, once we received the autopsy report, once things started moving, once HMC started investigating, not just listening to rumors and things that are on social media, but getting actual interviews with witnesses, door-to-door -door knocking. Heather has done an extremely exhaustive job of, of this. And I want to add, too, we are working for Karen Swift. There is no money coming from anyone within this circle that um, is paying us. So far, we have not seen one dime towards... And we've all also invested quite a bit. Um, yes. Of not just time, but um, but money, you know, travel, gas, um, just everything. Like, we've, we've all definitely invested our fair share. Um, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not complaining at all about that. But um, before we really get into that, um, I think, Tracy, did you, uh, did you get done with everything that you were? Okay. As Daryl Sells, many of you have already listened to his tape recording to Heather, his phone call, and, and how he totally uh, just was terrible with her. And um, one of his quotes that he said in that conversation was, so tell me about the watch being lost and all that crap out there that's supposed to have been out there. Jogging and had a, a metal detector out there looking for something. That's all bullshit. End quote. That's the end of the quote. That's all bullshit. Daryl has been accused um, by multiple people. And um, this is what I was talking about in the intro when I was saying, you know, the, the persons uh, of interest, our persons of interest, um, who we've received several statements about um, that, that they've been discussed on internet forums and um, in different places. And of course, like I said, the town gossip, but the word is, and, and not, I, I'm not going to get into so much of the rumor stuff that I have not obtained from um, witnesses, but rather what has been told to me by people who claim firsthand to have information um, and that information that was given to us is that this individual was actually seen um, near the crime scene, uh, either at or near the crime scene prior to Karen Swift's body being found. Um, one thing that Daryl was saying in his call to me 
um, he was saying that he doesn't jog and, um, I was caught off guard a little bit. So obviously I didn't, uh, I didn't catch that. Um, because had I caught that, I would have responded to him that nobody was accusing him of jogging. Um, certainly nobody was saying that they saw him jogging. Um, the witness statement that we received, uh, that had to do with jogging was actually that um, this person had asked him what he was doing there. And he said he was looking for his watch that he had lost while he was jogging um, and supposedly had a metal detector. So that's what that was about. And um, Mr. Sells was allegedly seen by um, four witnesses at that crime scene, um, or near the crime scene prior to December 11th when her body was found. Um, that is word of mouth from our witnesses who claim to have seen him with their own eyes. Um, but like we had spoken about in the Facebook live video, what we do know and what can be proven uh, 100% is that he was there uh, the day after her body was found and he was actually interviewed by the news media. Tracy, go ahead. Yes, that's uh, and that will be played for you so uh, you can hear the um, the audio portion of the the news interview with him speaking and talking about his daughter at the same Halloween party at the Farms Country Club that Karen Swift attended at the same time. Right. So uh, let me go ahead and play that clip. A Halloween party with her the night she disappeared. I don't think she even recognized her who she was out there at that time, but uh, she was at the party she was at. Yeah, on that... I guess a little bit further, you know, he states that um, Dina was at the Halloween party, but he doesn't think that she recognized who she was. Yeah, which is an odd statement considering that she didn't have makeup on, her face wasn't covered, and that Dina and Karen were well acquainted with each other. As a matter of fact, I'd like to mention that we are in possession of some photos um, that were in Karen Swift's personal belongings that were taken the Christmas before that at a Christmas party from what, from what I understand. And um, in those pictures, you've got Karen um, looking quite cozy with uh, Bill Bona. Um, and you've got, uh, of course, um, you've got Daryl Sells's daughter and her husband um, who, as we all know, are um, the center of attention in this case. And, and like I said before, the topic of the town gossip, everybody seems to believe that they are involved, um, which I find extremely interesting that that many people would be pointing the finger in that direction. But yet, for some reason, you got law enforcement standing there shaking their heads saying, no. No, we won't take these statements. Um, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But the point of that was that we've got pictures that Karen Swift took the Christmas before 
that Halloween party where she's hanging out with uh, Bentley and Dina uh, Quartermus, um, Daryl Sells's uh, daughter. Which is at least husband. 10 months. 10 months. 10 Which is months what? prior to. On the, I mean, right. not that they met right. that Christmas. They could have met prior to that, but from that moment, yeah. Oh, I'm sure they met before that. That moment, mm-hmm. that's 10 months. For her not to recognize somebody mm-hmm. she's known for 10 months and cozy with in photographs? Hmm. Right. And don't we actually have a statement from Daryl Sells stating that they don't know? They didn't yes, know her? Yes, I believe it's yeah. in the transcripts. He, um, he mentions in the phone call with um, Heather that that was his biggest mistake was giving that interview. His, no, not his biggest mistake, his first his first, I'm so, that is exact, exactly right. The first mistake was giving that interview. And now, you know, the interview, you can't find the interview because it's been pulled off the internet. They lost it. Well, yes, they say that it was lost in the move. Yes, correct. Um, the TV station told me that they it was lost in the news, of, uh, in the move. According to Doc Holliday, who was the reporter that was on scene, that's seen in this video. We do have a copy of that video. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Thank God we've got a we've It's got a not copy the of original. This. And the original, um, when I've requested several times, I was told at one point that... It was shown at 12 o'clock noon and 6 o'clock on December 12th. And that they have dubs that are available by subpoena. That's from, that's from the actual newsroom when I called. However, Doc Holliday tells me that that video was lost in the move. Yeah. So what we've got, you know, collectively right now is we we know that we know that Karen went to the Halloween party. We know she went there with her very close friends whom she spent a great deal of time with, uh Bill and Kathy. We know that um she had actually gone on vacation uh a couple weeks prior to that with Bill and Kathy. Um, now previously, um, I'd been told we've, we've been told that, um, that our persons of interest, um, or sorry, our, our person of interest, um, that he was not at, the Halloween party that night because he was not feeling well, that he was homesick. Um, let's talk about that because we've recently, um, generated a new lead from our Facebook live video from somebody who, um, was very close to, um, that family to, uh, to Bentley and Dina who tells us that not only was Bentley not homesick 
that night. But that they didn't go home until well after five o'clock in the morning. And this person um, made some notes of some very, very odd behavior that occurred that night, which we can't really go into a whole lot about it without exposing our witness, which is the last thing that we want to do right now. But, um, but one thing we have done, and uh, as I've said before, our investigation is independent of law enforcement's investigation. So we don't know what's in their file. We don't know what this individual's alibi is, um, or if they were even asked for an alibi. Or, and if they were asked for an alibi, if law enforcement ever bothered to validate that alibi, we have what, no idea. Which, who are we talking about that having an alibi? We're talking about Bentley. Okay. All right. We're talking about that Bentley, like we were told that Bentley was not at the Halloween party that night, that he was um, not feeling well, so he was homesick. Um, that's what we had been told. And like I said, I don't know if that is what law enforcement was told or not, but if it was, um, we have a very credible, close witness that says otherwise. Now, now this witness did go to the, the sheriff's department. Yeah. Did they not? Um, okay. And were ignored or? Yes, they did. They, they tried to, you know. I don't, uh, I don't think she actually, I don't think this person actually went to the sheriff's department. I think they said, I think, I think they had tried to call. Right. I never got, maybe they did go and then they were sent away and they were told that they would call back. I I know they tried to talk. That's what it was. Yeah. And, and they never got a call back and they kept, they kept calling and trying to get a hold of um, the investigators and they never never returned right and he called okay and and this would be a good good point i think for me to go into these um i know that our our listeners that have been listening are always wondering about these witness statements about seeing um mr cells at the cemetery near the cemetery bledsoe cemetery the um it's a historic cemetery with a metal detector are out there. Um, I have our um, anonymous interviews here and I've taken little bits and pieces of each one of when it's re- discussing Daryl cells out there. And I was wondering if this would be a good time to um, let our, our past listeners and our future and our new listeners um, hear about those. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, are we, since we've said um, on this interview that that you will see here where um, Doc Martin interviewed, I'm sorry, like the shoes? Doc Holliday, yeah. <laughs> Doc Holliday um, interviewed Daryl Sells while he was out there at the location where Karen's body was found, you'll hear him say something that he denies knowing them. 
but but here we will start going and um and go see the people that actually some of these people are very close to Daryl Sells. And uh That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the inner circles just get tighter and tighter. So inner anyway, I will um I'll play both HMC, which is Heather Michelle Cohen, and I will give the number I will give the number of the um the interview and we'll take it from here. And then if you all want to interject just to for clarifications, go right ahead. All right. Interview 1255. Of course, Daryl told me personally that he just was out there, referring to the cemetery near the cross, that he was just out there looking to see where the body was put. Right. I mean, it certainly indicates if those were the exact words that he used. It does indicate that he knew that that is not where she was actually killed, that that's where she was, quote, put. Um, if, if those are the exact words he used, it's, it's definitely significant. Um, you've also got uh, an audio that we're in uh, possession of from that's of a discussion with uh, Bill and Kathy Bona uh, the day after Karen went missing. And in that audio, you've got Kathy saying, I have been completely honest with you. I have no reason to lie. She was my best friend. And was. And I loved her. Yes. I loved her. I've been as honest as I can be. I've been as honest as I can be. Now, anybody who's had even the smallest amount of statement analysis training knows that a person saying, I'm trying to be honest here, or I'm being as honest as I can be, or you have to listen to what they're saying because they're telling you that they're not being completely honest. Right. If in total honesty without a doubt then go with your what you say but what was said was uh like my hands are tied type of thing so i'm going to go on to the next interview which is interview 836 and i saw daryl sells standing around up there where the cross is on harness road where they found karen swift and i thought what's he doing here that's crazy. I can tell you for a fact, and the name's been redacted, can too. We saw him up there. HMC says, okay. 836. And I mean, I pointed that out and I was like, that is, that's weird. HMC, uh-huh. 836. And then we saw him another time and he had a, um, what do you call that thing on a metal detector? Oh, okay, okay. That was HMC and 836. What is he? I know what metal detectors are for. 
I used to go to the playground with name redacted looking for looking for change. And so there's another person that saw him twice, it sounds like. And once he had a metal detector and once he did not. Yep, that person claims to have seen him up there twice. And again, um, this is another witness that claimed to have tried to tell this to uh, the investigators. And um, in the very beginning, we were sharing um, our statements with the investigators, um, because that's the right thing to do. And that's how we usually do things. We, you know, we, we, uh, have to at least assume that, um, that, you know, that they're going to do the right thing and that they're actually trying to solve the murder, you know? So in the beginning, you know, we were, we were sharing these statements and hoping that they would follow up on them. Well, this exact same witness that you're talking about right now, I went back and talked to him again several months later. And he told me that after he gave me that statement, after I gave it to the investigators, that the lead investigator came to him and actually, um, from his description, it seems, uh, tried to bully him into to retracting his statement. Um, told him, you know, you don't know that was really him. You're not sure that was him, are you? Um, and from what he told us, um, he straight up told the investigator, I know exactly who it was, damn it. Um, and, uh, and he stood his ground from, from what we've been told, but still for some reason, it's like, okay, you've got these people that are not budging. They are insisting that they saw Daryl cells at or near the crime scene before Karen's body was found. Several people. Perfect segue. Perfect segue into this next interview, which is interview 1158. I came up to the cross about every day, and I seen him, which I didn't know him. Name redacted told me that's who that was. HMC, right? 1158. That's how I knew. HMC, yeah. 11.58, and then, and then, which means after, I saw him on TV. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. So, he had seen Daryl Sells out there prior to the television interview, which was on TV on the 12th. She was found on the 11th. So, that means he had to have been searching in the area where her right. body was. And see, I mean, that's, that's what, that's what everybody is saying. That's what everybody is telling us. And, you know, it's funny because, um, it seems that, that, uh, the statement that Daryl made to me, his first mistake being that interview is pretty accurate. Cause that seems to be how everybody recognized him. Oh, that's the guy that we saw up there with the metal detector. That's the same guy. Right. Right. That's how he got his name. That's that's how people put it together. That's that's how they put it together. Um, now not everybody, because there were there was at least one that actually knew who he was. 
Right, um, right. But and, the ones who didn't know who he was figured it out and from to, the interview. Mm-hmm. And to continue with 1158, who saw him on TV, he says he had a metal detector out there one day, which to me indicates he saw him more than one day. Yeah, I asked him if he saw him more than one day, and he said yes. And he said Because he saw him, the one day he saw him with the other person. Right, and it's and coming And another up. day he saw him by himself. Yeah, and he said just right out there from where they had found her body. And, and you said, yeah, okay. And then he, 1158 says, and then another time I seen, here it comes, a red-headed lady out there. But name redacted, I think name redacted told me that she was redheaded. And we are, uh, sh- should we say who, should we redact that name or well, bring it Well, I out? mean, we, we've been, the, the thing is at this point is that, you know, <sighs> Daryl outed himself. Right. And his daughter. To threaten me. Right. Um, when we hadn't even been using his name, but really, I mean, we could have been using it all along because, um, I mean, it's been published all over for the last eight years. You know, any allegations that we've made, anything that we have brought to the public light was already there. Um, but the one thing that we have been really careful of, um, since day one is that we're not just blurting things out without, without coming up with a lot of, you know, reason to believe that what we're saying is true. Right. And they're corroborating. Um, These witnesses are corroborating each other. Right. We've got, we've got a lot of lot of backup um to the things that we're saying and you know are we saying that that these things are true no what we're saying is true is that we do have people Same. who are claiming mm-hmm. to have seen these things with their own eyes exactly that is what we're saying are we? Am, am I saying that Daryl Sells was at the crime scene or near the crime scene with a metal detector before Karen's body was found? Am I saying 100% that's true? No, I'm not. I am saying I have four different people that say it is true. On audio. On audio, yes. Okay. Um, and so let's, uh, let's, let's talk just a little bit about, um, you know, I've had several people who have um, contacted me, told me about conversations or forwarded emails to me that are saying um, that we're lying, that we're making this stuff up, that we're working for, for David Swift or his attorney, that we're putting up smoke screens, trying to get David Swift off a of murder, that none of the things we're saying are true that we do not have four witnesses that there is only one person who says that Daryl Sells was at that crime scene before Karen's body was found and that that person was dreaming and we stated it as fact. That is absolute BS. Um, 
I've seen it with my own eyes, the sheriff saying these things and accusing us of lying. It's not true. And as a matter of fact, when we went, when, when Tracy and I went and sat down with the district attorney there in Dyer County, we brought with us um, proof of that. And, uh, and, you know, we have played audio for the district attorney. I have shared audio with the district attorney. We have read transcripts to the district attorney showing him where, you know, these accusations that the sheriff has made towards us that we're lying, um, is untrue. It's absolutely untrue. And I sure hope that the district attorney is taking these things seriously and actually following up on them since the sheriff's department seems to have absolutely, absolutely no interest in doing so. Okay. Now we've got a couple more. We're going to rip through and then, uh, <laughs> we'll have a lot to say about these also. Okay. This is interview 1258. We came up on a curve right there, real close to the cross. And I seen this old man in like sweat shorts and a white t-shirt, I believe. But um, anyway, he had a metal detector and he was about 10 feet off the road on the left side. And you know, I passed by and I seen him and you know, I kept driving. And after I passed, I said, gosh, I mean, it just, it was weird, you know? And you said, uh-huh, it is really weird. Did you talk to him? 1258 came back. I did. After I passed him, you know, I, at the time, I was not thinking. And I'll redact, hey, this guy's out here with a metal detector. And I'll, I'll delete that um, next. It's, I'm redacting the next sentence only because it says who he is. And I turned around and I stopped and I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, oh, he said, um, I'm looking for my watch. You know, he hesitated before he answered me. He kind of looked shocked that I was even asking him the question. And then he goes on and says, he hesitated and he said, oh, he said, I'm looking for my watch. And I said, well, I mean, what are you doing out here? He said, well, he said, well, I jog out here and I, and I lost it. And you said, he, and you said, he said he jogs out there and 1258 comes back and says, yeah, he said, well, he said he exercised out there is what he said. So you had a previously kind of referred to that. And this is the person that's dreaming, according to... The right. This is the person who uh, went to the sheriff's department and was told that he was dreaming. And uh, so his statement was not um, taken. Um, you know, and I mean, okay, so moving on, we focused a whole lot on Daryl being at the crime scene prior to... And we know that he was there the day after being interviewed by the media. We also had a witness who claims that he was let through the roadblock 
onto the crime scene um, that night that her body was found. Um, so if that's all true, you've got in there at least twice um, before her body's found. And then you've got her there the night her body's found and the next day after her body is found. That's a lot. And they always say that um, the perpetrator always returns to and, the scene of the And crime. that's what the cameraman said when I spoke to a cameraman from the same, um, the same station. Um, he said that happens a lot, more than you can imagine. And where they end up seeing yeah, that there he goes, and he goes back, which is another thing of mm -hmm. why is he there? And then right. here, yeah, they, um, they want to see what's up and here to, to quote that, to go corroborate what you said, because I know this witness you're talking about saying that the two of them were together. This is not the same witness. This is an interview. Um, and it said, why would you have Mr. Sells, Old Man Sells, and Jeff Box up there looking for Old Man Sells watch if they weren't involved? And you said, HMC, well, it, you know, do you know that to be fact or is that just what you heard? And she says, or the witness says, sorry, <laughs> a little bit of both. And then further down, I don't know if you want me to read this about uh, the what we previously discussed, Heather, or not. I'm not sure. About, I guess uh, just do it. I'll cut it out if I have okay. to. And this witness goes down further to say, I've seen Dina Sells swing a baseball bat. Oh, I wow. used to play softball with her. She can swing a damn bat like a man. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you've got all these people, you know, and there's more, they're all pointing in the same direction, but yet law enforcement doesn't want to pay attention. And we, and so, you know, because they know that we're investigating this, we're getting all these statements. These people are calling us because we're the only people that seem to want to listen to them. And in safety in numbers, there's several more witness statements saying him at the, at the cross that I did not read or get into because it's getting to be redundant. But if any of you out there can see that there's plenty of people. You won't be the only one. You know me, I'm always calling, call, call, calling for you all to call us. Um, contact us, contact us. There's, there's just so much more out there that um, you will be one of many, but we need one of many. Right. Well, lately we've just been, it seems like the leads are getting more and more significant. Um so let's let's move on from Daryl at the um, at the crime scene and let's um, talk about the break in at the farms. Now that's another thing that we were able to validate, um, and this would have been um, the day after because it was the same weekend. It was the following Sunday. Uh, from what we've been told that the break-in happened and it was discovered on Monday morning from what 
from what I was told. And the reason that you will not find a police report for that is because according to um, the person I spoke with, uh, which it's very um, credible, um, they did not make a report because the only thing targeted was actually the uh, surveillance system. There was no other damage, no other items stolen or anything. So it didn't meet the deductible. They didn't bother to report it. Um, but, you know, and I'm sure that when they made that decision not to report it, they didn't have the slightest clue um, how important that information was and, you know, how now, you know, it would help the investigation um, incredibly to have that documented that that break-in did actually happen. Um, but we've also um, received at least a couple um uh, witness statements from people who were at the uh, Halloween party. And also um, the husband of somebody in that circle who says to me um, in the interview says, my wife would kill me if she knew I was telling you this. But this husband who's uh, wife is very, very close to Dina Sells, who's telling us that he um, is privy to a conversation between his wife and Dina um, regarding um, the uh, the altercation and um, and I believe also Bentley's relationship with Karen Swift. And so now that we're kind of at this point, because I feel like we've kind of jumped all over and I wish we had been a little bit more um, organized about how we presented this information, because there could be some people who are very confused about some of the things we're talking about. But well, there are podcasts, uh, previous podcasts that right. they certainly can go catch yeah. up on because there's a lot of information yeah. and it's fluid. It's a fluid investigation because... At one point, we thought the motive was different from what we think the motive is. Now, if you would like to take that lead. Yeah, no, I just, I, I was just going to, um, to go ahead and kind of discuss the theory behind all of these things that, um, that we've, all this information that we've collected. And, you know, in the beginning, um, our, our first podcast, you know, when we were just kind of, um, we were just kind of going at it in the dark, you know, it was just like, okay, this is what we know. And we had, um, a lead that she may have been hit, uh, by a drunk driver and a truck. We had, we had a couple different leads that we were looking at. Um, so very early on in the investigation, um, we had come up with this theory that, uh, that Karen was actually prostituting. Um, at this point, 
I don't believe that she was prostituting, so to speak. Um, not in the traditional sense that one would think like, you know, I don't know, advertising on Backpage or Craigslist or, you know, taking Johns and all that. Cause that's kind of what we thought before. And we thought that she was being pimped out. It's almost elementary now that we have, um, come upon this other theory that is much more darker and much more, it's much more something she convoluted. could not get out There's of. There's a lot more to it. And she can't get, could not have gotten yeah. out of it. She just couldn't have. And, you know, and it still involves, it's, it's got all the elements of just, um, really bad lifetime movie. Um, but you know, you've got your swingers, um, which are definitely still at the center of this, this, the, the pink poodle swingers club still very much at the center of this. Um, and you've got, uh, you do have, um, some money, um, being exchanged, uh, whether that money was for like specifically for sex, um, or we've, the team has really gone back and forth on our idea of what that money was for. Um, we certainly don't think that it was being given to Karen out of the kindness of these individuals' hearts. Um, but, you know, yes, through our investigation, we have been able to confirm that Karen did have, um, a history of having relationships, um, affairs, so to speak with, um, married men or, or men with, um, with money of means. Yeah. Of means. And that she was not shy about asking for money, um, that she did receive, uh, thousands of dollars from some of these men, um, and we're not talking simply Dyer County. We're talking previous to moving. Right. There's one individual that we were uh, tipped on to out of Arkansas um, before they even moved to Dyer County that um, this man uh, was a love interest to Karen. She was having relations with him and that he was providing her with uh, monetary um, motivation so to speak, to continue her relationship and with And she approached him right. for money, which he turned down of giving her. She approached him and asked for money to help pay for, allegedly, to help pay for her divorce of David. Right. Yeah, we were told that um, that, that was one of the people that she had asked for money. One of many. Yeah, it was a large amount, and it just happened to be the same amount of other amounts that are floating around Dyer County, which is, it's kind of leading us to believe, and me more, I, I'll take this on my shoulders. I feel like there was shakedown going on. Um, on There's what? Uh, oh, shake, shakedown. shakedown. On Karen's behalf. I believe she said, I'll, if you don't give me the money, I'm I'm telling what I know. And once she's opened that door, nobody's ever going to trust her and she can't get out of it. 
Right. And so if you think about some of the statements um, that the witnesses and, and these statements are actually uh, have been published um, on uh, when we did our news segment on um, on Fox 17. Um, where Karen's friend Aaron was being interviewed, Aaron says that Karen told her that she had law enforcement in her back pocket. And, um, and she also told her that, um, she was seeing a married man, that, um, this married man was going to leave his wife to be with her and family and that, and And that, um, Mm-hmm. And family, yeah, and um, and that he had given her ten thousand dollars. Well, at the time, we didn't know that the person she was talking about was Bentley Cordemus. Um, later down the road, we received another call from somebody, um, telling us that the motive, um, the motive, and and well the uh, reason for the altercation between Karen and Dina at the Halloween party was not because Karen was having an affair with Dina's husband, but was actually because he had given her um, $10,000. So there's that $10,000 again, $10,000. Yes. Um, So we believe that that $10,000 is the motive and, and that it may have been, um, you know, I, Bentley may have actually been um, thinking of leaving Dina. But another um, theory surrounding that $10,000 is that maybe he didn't actually give her that $10,000 to help her with her divorce or to help her to leave and be self-sufficient, but rather that that was blackmail money that Karen had somehow blackmailed Bentley Quartermus into giving her $10,000. And that maybe that is the real reason, um, not just that he gave her $10,000, but whatever it is that she knew that she was blackmailing them for is actually what got her killed. And it's my opinion, this is Tracy. It is my opinion and I'll take it upon my shoulders that it wasn't just that family. I believe there were multiple people that were in fear of having their secrets revealed. And once it started, it came out that Karen, now this is a theory, once it came out that Karen was likely to blackmail one person she could do a whole lot more well if you take the statements that she made to her friends okay one of our very very first interviews was with um a close friend of hers who happened to be one of the very last people that she communicated with before she went missing and this person really didn't come forward with anything until she knew that Karen was dead because you know obviously you're not going to just go spilling your friend's deepest darkest secrets you know if they're just um you know missing if they just decided to disappear for a little bit or run off or whatever but um but this person 
tells us that Karen said um, that she had gotten herself into something that she was doing whatever this was. She was doing this for money and she wasn't proud of herself. Now you've got that statement, but then you've also got the very, very similar statement to Erin Gray where she says she's gotten herself into something she can't get herself out of. Well, originally we had thought, oh, it's prostitution, but no, no. I think now our, our theory has evolved that she's not talking about right. prostitution. She's talking about that she's blackmailed somebody. You can get yourself out of prostitution. Right. That's what kind right. of got me. But once you've threatened somebody, uh, I know you what ever you be did. Trusted. I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to. I could ruin your life, but I won't. If you give if me some you money. Give me. And then it just, it's, it snows mm-hmm. balls. You, you want me, you want me to, to keep my the- mouth shut? Okay, I will. Fork it up. Especially when you're involved with the Pink Poodle Club. Mm-hmm. People want their, all that quiet. I don't think that's what, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily what it is though. I think it has to do with the theft ring that keeps coming up. Yes, we have heard several things about a theft ring from, I mean, we're, we're not talking. Our, let's say this, our witnesses have narrowed down from Patty Joe Smith, fictitious name, down the street who heard such and such, to we're talking people that are within this tight circle and who are very higher up in, um, in what would you say, uh, the, the government area of I think that it doesn't serve us well in this investigation to try to narrow things down to one or the other it might not be an issue of one or the other is it prostitution or is it the theft ring or is it drug trafficking what if it's all of the above I agree 100% because that's why I'm saying I don't think it's like if it was just a drug ring then it would just be that person that was upset with it. If it was just the Pink Poodle Club, it would just be that group of people that... If it was just prostitution, it would just be that group of people. I believe that there are so many people that know what actually happened to her and are keeping their mouth shut because it. whoever killed her solved A lot of people's problems. And you know, I don't think that her murder is directly related to the Pink Poodle Club other than that a handful of members are involved in this. But I agree. It's not really about the Pink Poodle Club. That's just kind of the uh, where they kind of met and went their different right. ways and learned about all the right. other people. But, you know, Karen got herself wrapped up into something much bigger, much darker. And some of these people in the Pink Poodle Club, 
may have an idea of what that was, um, even though they may not have been directly involved in all of it, but they probably know the who, what, where, when, and why. But they're not going to talk because they're terrified. Yes, I agree. That's the only group we have not, that I am aware of anyway, we have not heard from one person. We have not heard from one pink poodle. Not one. Well, we may have. I'm not sure the husband that contacted me may have been a Pink Poodle Club member. Right. But other than that, I don't know. Well, I mean, and how would we know anyway? I mean, it's not like they're going to announce themselves as a Pink Poodle Club member. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Well, that's I'm calling on on. Hey, Pink pink Poodle people. It's not like they're going to be like, uh, hi, I've got a tip for you. By the way, I like to share my wife. But anyway. (laughs) Right. And, you know, speaking of that, about, you know, that's kind of like with the signs, you know, when the, the signs were brought in for awareness for Karen. And, you know, I found it very odd that these people that were supposed to be, you know, her best of friends, they didn't even ask for a sign. Now, to me, I would want to support um, my friend especially my best friend, someone that's close and dear to me, whom I say I love. I'm definitely going to want to support any kind of awareness um, that can be brought to her because there hasn't been any justice for her. And a lack of action. Right. I mean, that just was really odd. um, Just weird to me that, you know, that you wouldn't want to get a sign and post it up as your, at your business and as well as at your home um, to bring awareness for, for the love of your best friend that has gone missing or now deceased. Right. So, and that's probably <clears throat> because they knew that they, they know what they know the who, what, when, where, why, like, even if they don't have direct knowledge, um, they probably had some sort of idea about what she was getting herself involved in, you know, what she was doing. And their lack of action and their lack of action shows that. Now, um, there was something I had wanted to discuss, but it's so lengthy and so much into it, Chastity. You and I have gone um, about the garage at the Swift home. Oh, yes. Um, And Heather that's just going to be another podcast altogether. But we, we did visit that. We went over it. We um, have some great, great, um, and that what more than likely happened and what couldn't and could have happened on that. Is there um, anything, Heather, that you want to mention as far as what could possibly be coming up for the team? Yeah, um, I mean, we're going to be doing a documentary, and um, we've been back and forth with some pretty major networks, um, and we've been just kind of trying to decide what the best route is for us, and um, we have actually turned some things down. We've actually said, no, this isn't going to be 
the right path for us. And, um, we have our own reasons for that, but I think, uh, I think we've got a pretty idea, pretty good idea of the direction we're going in. And, um, we're actually having a meeting this Saturday to, um, to come up with our plan of action. But, um, back to, you know, what we were talking about with, uh, with, with all the, all the, you know, um, discrepancies that we have that implicate, you know, this, this particular individual, I did want to mention before we, um, before we call, uh, call it a night, I wanted to mention that we also have a witness that, um, claims to have, uh, firsthand information pertaining to, um, some very questionable behavior, uh, in the week following, um, Karen's disappearance of, uh, Dina's husband, Bentley. We've been told that, um, we've been told that Bentley actually, uh, got new tires, um, did not need them, had recently gotten new tires, but, had gotten a new set of tires on his work truck um, the week after Karen went missing, as well as uh, we have information, we have somebody claiming that they saw him dispose of some items, um, throwing them into the woods, and um, I, I don't want to mention exactly what those items are, but because it's, I know, I was wondering if we were going to approach that. Just so the audience knows, we, there's a lot that we know that is not discussed. So you don't think that um, we're like throwing things at people that uh, deserve this benefit of the doubt. There's a, a lot out there that, um, number one. There's just one, too much. There's, where there's right. smoke, there's fire. And right. Man, um, there's a whole hell of a lot of smoke here. And until some things are found, I don't want to like um, say what's where, what where, when, yeah. where, mm -hmm. because we really need that to be. Um, love to have that evidence. Love to have that evidence. Oh, but, definitely, uh, yes. But yeah, definitely, what you're saying is like just just it's not just oh somebody saw these people at this place oh they didn't come home when they were supposed to there's a lot more going there's a on lot. yep and and i mean the biggest thing i think for me is up until a couple weeks ago after the facebook live video i thought bentley was homesick right yes yes that's what Poor everybody bentley. kept saying yeah. and i you know i I assume that um, that that must have been his alibi. I mean, again, I don't know because we don't have access to the police file. But um, gosh, if that's his alibi, then um, where the hell's that indictment? Because we just blew that alibi right out of the motherfucking water. And yeah, yep, and uh, right, that alibi's gone. And uh, there's several more people that happen to see him. Uh, hmm. Hey, along with that alibi, we have corroborating uh, witnesses. What was that? No. What was that, Tracy? Hmm. Hey. 
that yeah. that was my that was a total screw up on my part. Oh. But let me start rewinding. Out loud. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Well, Hi. we're fluid situation. We're yeah, raw. Thinking this out loud. Listen, listen. The 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 audience probably already caught this, but the person that said that about the tires and the other person that said that about something that an item they are saying that happened that night that supposedly he was homesick correct no what no no it was supposed to have been the following week oh okay never mind about that whole mess <laughs> then don't I it's late, I thought guys. It's, <laughs> it's late, isn't it, Tracy? I thought for sure that that was the same night. No, I'm confused. The right? washing. Why would you thing? think that? Because I tell you why. <laughs> and let me text you so that you got it. Well, I don't want to say it on here. No, it was um because she went missing on. Saturday, yes, Saturday. early morning hours of Saturday, and then so there would have been Sunday, you know, a day in between, and then that following Monday, and yeah, no, that was the next day. I just got that the was text what, from the Tracy. I just got your text. No, that was that was supposed to have been the next day, the thirtieth. No. 31st. No. 31st. She, 31st. Okay. So. Right. So the, the Halloween party was Saturday night. Right? Which was the, the 29th. 29th. And then. So she. Okay. So I stand corrected. She went missing the early morning. The, the early 30th. hours of the morning on the 30th. Which is right. Sunday. Right. So it would have been the next right. day. Monday that that Bentley was supposedly seen with some items uh, okay that, and he would have been homesick that the, the 30th yes, that would have been, been yeah that would have actually been prior yeah. to that okay as long as those dates are are 100% I don't know I I think it's right but it is. She went missing um, the early mornings of October 30th. No, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the um, the other activity that happened that I um, Bentley was supposed to have been a part of. Oh, oh, so oh, oh, oh we yeah. Can't, um... I got gotcha. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So because... you know, just all of this very, very strange behavior. And it just baffles me again, you know, how with all of these people saying all of these things, how, how is there not an indictment? How is there, how has there not been an investigation into them? Right. I don't um, know. I just don't know. You know, how Unless it with all of that and all of these witnesses trying to come forward and give the information we just shared with you, you know, these are the things that these people have been trying to tell to law enforcement for the last eight year. Well, I suppose that they probably stopped trying after first few attempts, but 
you know, but that they, they had actually tried in the very beginning to give this information and supposedly, you know, according to the witnesses, they were turned away and they have uh, kept their focus on David Swift, which I know I've, I've made this correlation before, but it's very reminiscent of the Holly Bobo case when for several years, you know, I'm jumping up and down, you know, calling TBI and practically harassing them saying, you know, you need to be looking over here. Uh, Zach Adams, Jason Autry, Shane Austin. And But Britt was the perfect patsy for that one. I mean, he was a perfect guy. Yeah. It had to have been Britt. Right, but it and the lead investigator could not, he would not follow those leads. He could not seem to get past uh, Terry Britt because Terry Britt had a history of aggravated kidnapping and um, sexual assault. And um, since, uh, <laughs> you know, since Terry Britt lived in that area and had this history you know, Terry Dykus, the lead investigator, was hell-bent on proving that it was Terry Britt, so much so that the answer was right in front of him, and he chose to ignore it. I well, don't get and see it. Heather, it's a, it's a little different. It's a little different on this to me, because um, I think they see it. They. Yeah. I think they see it. They didn't want to arrest David because that would have been false arrest. Mm. And um, so they just let it lay low. Mm -hmm. And then when um, all this came to pass, it's not laying low anymore. Right. And people are having right. to say, because I was in the meeting with you, with the DA. Mm -hmm. And he came in after Karen's death. And um, he did announce some things to us mm -hmm. after he found out we were just some couple of idiots and that you wait what did Heather, you just say after he found out we were just a couple of idiots what? We, weren't, we were not we were not we were not a couple of idiots <laughs> because Heather knew her shit well and and he came back and told us that yes he had previously had a um, business campaign um, contribution mm -hmm. from Daryl Sells. Mm -hmm. A small one, but yeah. Mm -hmm. A small one. Oh, and, and not big and not that he was being paid. He, he came and but we you know, know, he totally. We know that Daryl Sells makes, donate. he does contribute. He does contribute to his political agendas. Um, you know, and I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to refrain, you know, we've gotten a lot of people telling us not to trust the DA down there. And uh, I like them telling I us like that them. he is pretty much in bed with the same bunch and, you know, whatever. Well, I've to date, I have continued to, um, I have continued trust to, him go to bat for Danny um, Goodman, Me the too. DA in yeah, Dyer County. I, I I've, really, I, yeah, I've, I've told people, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but, but it's yet to be seen. And, and, you know, with all the information that we've given him, I'll tell you what, I hope to God he's doing his due diligence. Um, because and if he's he sitting is. on, if he's sitting mm -hmm. on this information that we've given him, 
Heather, this man, when we walked in, he thought you, from a previous phone call he had gotten from a contributor to his campaign, from he Sells. had thought, <laughs> he I, don't had know why. thought I don't know why you're being shy now. I'm not being shy. He right. had thought that you were harassing. He was told that I was harassing that Darryl I was harassing Daryl Sells and, and the rest By of their family. Sells. Daryl yeah. Sells told him that. And that and I then was we the one played that had the... called him. And... and then we played the tape. You yeah. played the tape. And the look on his face was, uh, Mr. Goodman's face was like, I cannot. Well, I just straight up told him, I said, he lied to you. Yeah. It's his he lied to you as he... well. He has odd behavior. That's what he, and, that is um, what Danny Goodman got off of that um, that recording. But who here's the here's the issue people? though. Who calls and acts enraged like that? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, and he also didn't. He also did not like the fact that um, Daryl Sells showed up at to be interviewed number one, and he even showed up because he heard him say in that phone call that he went down there and he looked at us and said right. why, why would he go down there but that's also you know that blew my mind that, that he didn't know that, that yeah that that him and the investigator that they didn't even seem to know that Daryl Sells had been interviewed by the media how do you not know that Okay, guys, we're out of time for the night, but we want to thank you for joining us here on the Final Report Podcast. I'm Heather Cohen, Tracy Ellis, and Chastity Brandon. We are the HMC investigative team. Please join us next week for more updates on our investigation into the Karen Swift murder. Until then, keep it between the ditches.